Welcome to Pussy Power Hour. We're your hosts. I'm Eva Vicky. And I'm Evelyn Sparks. We are two sex, love, and relationship coaches dedicated to empowering you to live your most authentic, desirable, and pleasure-filled life. Our perspectives are formed through the privileged lens of our lived experiences as two white, mostly cis, able-bodied women. We believe a world of true sexual freedom, liberation, and empowerment is inclusive and celebratory of all individuals. We strive to make these conversations as inclusive and informed as possible. We are always open to receiving any feedback for ways in which we can improve and make this a safer space for you. Take what feels good, leave the rest. Our conversations will be authentic and vulnerable with no topic off limits. We believe there are many expressions of what it means to be empowered in your sexuality, and we hope the perspectives we share are refreshing, inspiring, thought-provoking, and well, pussy-tingling. We are so turned on to be in your ears right now. So without further ado, let's dive in as we open the doors into Pussy Power Hour. Hello, everybody. So this podcast episode of the Pussy Power Hour is going to be a little bit different because it's just going to be me, Evelyn, here for this episode. I have felt this like deep inner pull to do a podcast episode talking about mental health and mental illness and sexuality and sexual healing and all of that for a while. You know, it's funny because I spend all day talking about sex and all of these like quote unquote taboo things and those don't make me uncomfortable anymore. That's my norm. It doesn't make me uncomfortable to talk about anal or pegging or whatever. Um, But when it comes to mental health and mental illness, I feel so much shame and embarrassment and resistance to talking about it. And I've kind of sprinkled it in here and there, but I've never really sat down and been, you know, vulnerable about what that experience has been like for me because I carry a lot of shame around it. I feel embarrassed. I feel like some of the stuff that I have to share makes me sound crazy or I feel like It makes me sound like I'm trying to be trendy by hopping on this, you know, train of like, I have anxiety Um, and I don't want, I just don't want people to perceive me that way. Those are my fears. My fears are outside perception. And I know that, you know, I, my goal is to break taboos. It's to, you know, um... It's to encourage radical vulnerability and radical honesty. And how can I do that? How can I expect that out of those that I serve if I'm not showing up in that same way? So here I am right now showing up in that way. You know, I'm here to share my experience of what living with mental illness has looked like. I don't really have a plan for this episode. I'm just going to sort of talk and see how things flow and see where it leads me. My intent is to share my personal story and backstory with it 
with the intention of raising awareness and fostering a sense of community and also breaking taboos. I remember when I first heard people discussing some of the experiences that I had, I felt so relieved. I felt so much less alone and it really changed the game for me. And I would like to offer that to, you know, if there's even one person out there, as cliche as that sounds, who feels a sense of comfort from this, that is just, that would mean so much. So I'd like to issue before we begin just a big trigger warning. I'm going to be discussing anxiety, OCD, emetophobia, depression, sexual assault, suicide, self-harm, um, disordered eating. I think though I think that's it, but please proceed in this episode with caution. Um, know yourself, know if you're resourced enough to receive what I have to say. I probably won't get into much super graphic detail, but those topics will be covered and I don't want to catch anybody off guard. So here we go. <laughs> I'm so nervous, but I'd like to start, you know, kind of just share, just share openly my, my journey. So when I was younger, I lived a pretty normal, happy childhood. I was really imaginative. I loved thinking about fairies. I love acting. I did a lot of plays. Um, I had a really creative, active imagination. And then for an unknown reason, a literally unknown reason, I've explored this for many years in therapy, I suddenly, pretty much overnight, developed severe emetophobia. And emetophobia is um, a fear of vomiting. And so that sounds kind of dumb, right? Like who likes to throw up? It's an uncomfortable experience for most people. And yeah, sure, most people are kind of scared of that. But for me, it wasn't just a, that's uncomfortable, I don't want that to happen feeling. It was an all-consuming fear. And so at that time, I was also diagnosed with OCD and generalized anxiety disorder. So this fear of vomiting was all-consuming. When I say I never stopped thinking about it for a second, I mean that. And that felt really confusing and isolating as a kid. My parents didn't really understand it. I didn't end up going to therapy for a couple years dealing with it. And none of my peers understood. I think I shared it with one person who kind of like laughed at me. Like it was like my dirty secret. And it was really intense. Um, you know, I wouldn't eat because I was worried that the food that I would eat would make me throw up. I would have these panic panics to avoid going to school and I was really obsessive. So I would, you know, call my mom 10 times a day at school and make her promise me that I wouldn't throw up. And as I got older, the fear took different forms and the OCD and the obsession took different forms. Um, and I started taking different medications for it, um, taking different anti-anxiety medications. And they would go great for a little while and then have really, really adverse effects on me. And so it was kind of just this bad cycle of like, 
feeling really hopeful and good for a couple months and then just feeling really hopeless and awful for the next few as I would detox from these medications. And when I got into high school, I experienced my first um, sexual assault, assault experiences my freshman year. And that kind of sent me into a tailspin of like depressive episodes. So the anxiety was still there. And now there was this like depression aspect. I tried to treat it with medication, tried going to therapy. It would get better sometimes. It was worse sometimes. And it really continued on for all of high school. I actually almost didn't graduate high school because I missed so much class, I would just have these like panics. Like I would have three or four panic attacks a day at that point every day. And so I, you know, went to college and I was kind of able to handle myself better. But then I moved into a dorm situation with a roommate that I've discussed before that it was really negative and I ended up moving home. It was like, you know, I just couldn't get out of bed. It felt really hopeless. And then (laughs) I met a partner and I moved in with him and it was a really emotionally abusive, manipulative, toxic relationship. And, you know, I lived with him and so that was my reality for Um, those eight months of living together and then years of kind of trying to recover. And at that point in time, my mental health was at an all-time low. I was self-harming. I was like panicking all the time, but I would say I was going to class and then lie to everyone about it because I was so embarrassed. And I started developing these really intense chronic illness symptoms, which was misdiagnosed as a brain tumor and they told me I couldn't have kids Um, and it turned out to be a thyroid condition that I've since um, put into remission. But at that time, you know, all of these things were going on. I was living with this partner who was so, so manipulative and I just felt like, I felt like there was no way out of that situation. And even if I left the relationship, and moved home, which I did, and kind of took these steps to, like, take care of myself, it felt pretty hopeless. Um, It felt like, you know, my own mind and my own body was torturing me and had been for years at this point, for well over a decade. And I hadn't really experienced relief from that. And so I didn't know what to do. I had no idea what to do. I had failed out of college at this point. I was living at home. I pretty much, I didn't have a job. I was just like surviving. And I was like dealing with the aftermath of this horrible relationship. And I just felt so bad about myself. I felt like lazy and incapable. And also like I couldn't even function. And so this kind of brings me into like the sexuality aspect. So because I had been dealing with all of these mental health problems and 
situational problems. I never had good a good sex life, as I'm sure you know we could we could deduce from the information given. I felt so much numbness, so much disconnect, so much like disgust in my own body and this really deep separation. But at that point, I felt like, oh my God, I'm just trying to survive. Why the fuck is it worth trying to work on my sexual healing? Like, who cares if I can have a good orgasm, if I feel like I can't eat out at restaurants because the food will make me throw up or whatever. And so that was like, that just seemed stupid to me. And I also had this deep disconnection from my own body. And so I would, you know, spend most of my day trying to get out of it. Thankfully, I didn't struggle with any addictive behaviors because of my fear of throwing up. That kind of kept me away from those. But I would just spend all the time trying to be out of my body, watching TV, ignoring these these rising sensations, whatever. And then as soon as I would have sex, I would suddenly like expect all this pleasure. And then when it didn't come, I was like, something's wrong with me. And all of my anxieties for the most part were health and body based. And so that was scary. I was like, what what's wrong here? And you know, there was, yeah, just this deep, deep disconnection. And of course there was, of course there was. Um, I had such high expectations for what sex should feel like. And there was nothing setting me up for success in that department. And so it kind of, it brings me to like now. And there's like some things that I want to kind of make clear. One is that like, I'm not like, it's not like my problems are solved. Like I have anxiety. It's something I deal with every single day, sometimes every second of the day. Um, I, you know, have complex PTSD. So that's something that I deal with. I have OCD. So that's something I deal with. The depression doesn't feel as intense for me as often anymore, but that's still there. And these pieces didn't just go away. I was desperate to find a single solution in therapy, in Reiki, in shamanism, in CBD, in whatever, and nothing has cured me. I'm still here. But what's different now for me than then is I have a different toolkit, and that toolkit allows for me to not feel as hopeless. So when these things happen when I have a really anxious day or when I feel really triggered or whatever, I don't feel like I can't make it out of there. I have tools to know that I can. And that's been like kind of the most critical part of the whole thing is taking pressure off of finding a miracle cure and instead focusing on like approaching little pieces at a time. So for a while, I was really focused on like numbness. For a while, I was really focused on expanding orgasmic pleasure. For a while, I was really focused on like going to exposure therapy for this fear of throwing up. Like all of these kinds of little pieces that then accumulated into this sense of ability to handle what what comes my way. And 
you know, I kind of wanted to share because emotional expression is something that I found so much relief in, I guess, because it taught me so much about the importance of feeling and releasing. So when I was dealing with all of these uncomfortable emotions before my main motive was like I don't want to feel these I don't want to feel these they're so uncomfortable I need to avoid 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 and with emotional expression I was able to recognize that I can feel something and I can express it and then it might move out it might move out of my system it might have room once I process it And that's something that I teach to all my clients and that I try to express on my Instagram is like feeling to heal. Feeling your emotions is so critical. You know, there's in the spiritual healing community, there's some kind of bullshit ideals about like oh you manifested your trauma I've had so many people tell me like that I've manifested this anxiety and all of this and I don't I don't like that I hate that in fact I think that that's total bullshit and I also think that it's so important to acknowledge um, the systems in place that affect people and that create this mental health crisis I mean just you know systematic racism, oppression, patriarchy, capitalism, all these systems in place that really disempower people. And so there's kind of this idea that like either you like called your emotions towards you um, or that like it's your like um, it's your destiny karma or ancestral karma or past life or any of that Um, and I think that that discredits some very real systems put in place that uh, would affect anybody's mental health and I was lucky to grow up in a place of real real privilege being um, a white mostly cis person um, in a middle class family and these mental health problems still tortured me So I can't imagine how that would feel to be in um, a system that's actively working against you at all times and dealing with these things as well. So I want to like make that piece clear, like the reality of mental health. And then I also want to touch on my feeling that all of what arises is here to offer you something. That's kind of what has allowed me to experience my emotions, to experience my anxiety, to experience all of these things without this sense of hopelessness. Because there's this idea that when something arises, I can find acceptance for it. That's been a huge, huge part for me, finding acceptance. So when these emotions come up, I find acceptance for the present moment, for what's here right now. And I can have cognitive and nervous system knowledge that it's not going to last forever. And 
that would piss me off when people would say that before because like I said it's been well over a decade of like anxiety and anxiety every day and so I would be like but it's been 10 plus years like it's not fucking gone away like when's it gonna go away and it's not so much looking at it like that but looking for the nuances the nuances of sensations of emotions shifting so my anxiety looks different feels different every day so when i'm in a moment of panic i can know cognitively this will shift so i can have acceptance for the present moment acceptance for what's there right now knowing that it will shift at some point and then i can look at the emotion and ask what is this here what is this here to show me right now because you know when there's this like um idea that like we manifest our trauma and it's here to teach us something that leaves an icky taste in my mouth but i also think that our emotions have value our bodies our nervous systems, our minds are so wise, so innately wise. Things don't happen on accident. And I think that it's really important to not disregard bad emotions as just quote unquote bad emotions. It's like bad emotions, things that we need to push away and shove away and reach for these high vibe quote unquote states to allow us to thrive. I think that it's important to find acceptance in what is like, yeah, I just fucking have anxiety. That's not probably going away for me for a long time. I've tried a lot and it's still here. So I have to find acceptance in that. Otherwise, I'm going to be constantly at war with myself. And once that acceptance is there, I can lean in. And I'll tell you that leaning in feels fucking miserable. It's so hard. I'm not saying any of this with the intention of like, oh my God, like if you just feel your feelings, then it's fine. Like it's so hard. It's so painful to feel anxiety. And it's so scary. It's so scary to lean into those sensations of like your worst fears. But when there can be feelings and acceptance and leaning into what is this here right now to show me and maybe what it's here to show me right now is that I need to sob and I need to like spit and kick and cry and like punch the air or whatever or maybe it's there to teach me something profound or maybe it's there to teach me that I can be in that and that's okay and when I have allowed myself to feel into these shadow emotions, these really uncomfortable, really scary parts of myself, that's where I have found my pleasure again. And sometimes there's pleasure in the painful sensations. I don't always feel that way. I still have like chronic inflammation, flare-ups and pains and this anxiety discomfort and I want to be someone who can feel pleasure in anything, but that's not always the case. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. But what I've done by going into these parts of my body, going into these parts of my mind, is learn to be more present with sensation. Seeing these emotional states as sensation in my body. And when I allow myself to go into those depths, 
then I allow myself to go into the sensations of pleasure and to surrender into those when they're there. And so, you know, this sexual healing, it sounds like something I feel like for a lot of people, like, oh, that would be nice. Like, I've got a lot going on. Yeah, it'd be nice to have better sex, but I've got bigger things to worry about. But for me, this journey was like my savior, basically. Not because I was able to have an orgasm with my fingers or because I was able to like feel deeper pleasure. That's not what saved me. What saved me was this connection with my body. I had viewed my body as this thing that was holding me back, my mind. It was torturing me for so long. And then when I was able to connect with these parts of myself with love and with acceptance, then I could feel comfortable living in myself again. And I didn't know that I would ever be here you know, this journey of being a sex coach, there's so many misconceptions. And I think that one of them is that, you know, someone who's comfortable talking about sex, someone who is sex positive or whatever has always been that way or whatever, that they've had this like beautiful sexual life and all this pleasure and whatever. And if someone's had that experience, that's great. That's wonderful for them. But for me, it wasn't that. It was like I was pendulum swung onto the other side of the, the whole other side of the scale where the idea of sex, there was this like long-term desire within me to do this work. Um, and so I think that that's really what brought me here. But for majority of my life, my struggles and my passions were just in kind of surviving and feeling so isolated and alone in my experience and feeling like I was crazy and feeling like I had to keep this secret about myself, this secret of this internal struggle that I was facing from those around me because it was really embarrassing and really inconvenient it inconvenienced a lot of people and it annoyed a lot of people. And I know that. I know it still annoys my friends and family to this day. It annoys the hell out of me. Um, but bringing light to this topic, I just felt like I had to do it. I felt like I had to have this conversation because there can be so much going against you whether it's externally, whether it's internally, whether it's both. And there can still be pieces of good within that. That's something that I had to search deep within myself for is like, I hate my mind. I hate my mind for torturing me like this. I hate my body for feeling so uncomfortable and anxious all the time, for feeling dissociated and panicked. Where can I find the beauty inside of Evelyn? Where can I find those pieces of good? All of me cannot be bad. There has to be something in there that's beautiful. And 
I can call on that piece of myself when things get really hard. And that piece of myself that I called on was my passion for this coaching. I like kid you not, I remember being like a young, like 13 and saying like, I want to be a sex therapist. I didn't know what a coach was. And when I was in those experiences of this, you know, these mental health problems, this almost not graduating high school, this relationship that I didn't know I'd ever survive, this failing out of college, all of this, I was really set up to not continue. I was really put in a situation that tested my will to live. And I confronted that head on a couple of times. And what kept me going in those moments of deep, deep despair before I had all of these beautiful tools, before I had all of this healing, was knowing the something good. And the something good was knowing that I was here to talk about this, to serve this greater purpose. I had this passion and I didn't even quite know what that would look like at all or where that would end up or how I would even go about that. But that's what it was. And it's so different for everyone. I didn't even have words for it at the time. I didn't express that to anybody. It was just this deep sense. And now being out of this hopeless state, I can find many, many beautiful pieces of beauty within myself, within my mind, within my body. And that's taken a long time to work on. It is not an overnight fix, especially with sexual healing. I'm not healed. I'm not solved. My problems are still here. But it's about the way that I relate to my problems, the way I connect with them, the way I move through them that has shifted so dramatically. And that shift is available to anybody. It really is. Of course, there's education and there's time and there's privilege that um, accounts for the ability to be able to like dive so totally into this work. But the pieces, the things that I learned can be accessed within yourself. It takes time. It takes practice. It takes finding these pieces of beauty. It takes finding this motivation. It takes loving acceptance. It takes being in your body. It takes focusing on your bodily sensations. It takes being really fucking uncomfortable. It takes being in total despair. It takes facing the possibility of death head on. It takes people who literally crumble your entire sense of identity and self. It takes fill in the blank for your personal experience. It takes all of those things. And that sucks. (laughs) That takes a lot of like personal will to phase and to do. And so that's why it can take so much time because you don't do all of that at once. It's not like you go to a breathwork session and face 20, 30 years of your life and, you know, 
trauma in your ancestral line and oppression whatever and have this magical thing and everything's healed forever it's you can do all of these things but you can't do them all at once it takes little pieces over long periods of time it takes getting support it takes all of those things I listed before and so as I kind of wrap up all of this I just wanted to share that if this experience if these sensations resonate with you at all I believe in your ability to find your toolkit to find your toolkit to find the beauty within you to find your little piece your little piece that can keep you going that can be your anchor (sighs) taking a big deep breath after that I have never spoken so openly and extensively about my experience on in public ever this conversation is usually reserved for friends therapists and partners so I really thank you if you stuck around for this episode for hearing all of what I had to say I know it was intense and um, I'd be really curious if you'd be open to reaching out to me and letting me know what it brought up in you if you've had a similar experience if you haven't but if you can empathize or whatever I'd love to hear from you I feel a lot of pride in myself for sharing all of this so vulnerably in such a public way I know that me a couple years ago could never imagine that I would talk about this um, to so many people And I'm so proud of myself now and I'm so proud of myself then for being here and sharing my experience. I think that, you know, me, yeah, me a couple years ago had no idea what I was capable of accomplishing and what I was capable of doing when I was following my heart and when I was following my damn pussy. So I'm just closing out the episode with gratitude for myself, for my beautiful self, for my beautiful, intelligent, brave, smart, passionate, incredible self that endured these mental experiences and these physical experiences and able to be here now talking about it. And I also feel such deep gratitude for you for being here and listening and opening your heart to receive what I have to say no matter your opinion on it and I thank you so much for listening and for your support Um, it's a little bit scary being on the podcast alone I don't have beautiful Eva to be here to bounce off of it's just me talking and that's a lot of pressure Um, but yeah I knew that this was the right thing for me to do the right moment for me to do it and I'm so so deeply honored to have spent this time with you bearing my soul and being received thank you so much from the bottom of my heart thanks for tuning in to another episode of pussy power hour If this got your pussy pulsating, tingling, and activated like ours, we'd love for you to share this on your story and tag us on Instagram so that we can personally thank you. 
As always, you can reach out to us with any questions or requests for the podcast. And if you're interested in working with either of us one-on-one, you can DM us or apply directly on our websites. Sending you so much love and we can't wait to tune in with you next time. Mwah.